excuse the noise of the typing furiously. I'm just chatting with Express.com. I want my shipping, my two-day shipping charges refunded because my packages did not come in two days. They came in like 19 different single items, which is not only bad for the environment, it was late. And here's my question to everyone. I know you think I'm annoying and you think I'm being extra, but I would like to ask you why you give your money to these corporations. Why? Is it because corporations are people, according to the U.S. government? Well, I don't subscribe to that, okay? So this is my way of sticking it to the man. I want my money back. All of it. And I'm going to get it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends, podcast listeners, people who got lost on SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I'm your host, Kelechi Azie, and Cake and Kombucha is a podcast where we kind of talk about, uh, you know, the news, politics, reality TV, YouTube, whatever it is that's kind of popping off in the media from week to week, as well as fun anecdotes about Life, the pursuit of liberty and happiness, um, elevators. Today, I was on the elevator heading to uh, acting class, my second course with the amazing Bob Krakauer. And this woman was entering the building as I was. So I saw she was going to the elevator and I reached my hand to kind of hold it so it didn't close. Then I reached, I was in the back corner of the elevator and I was reading an email an email that was, oh, from my building management. So I was, you know, just incensed as I usually am when that happens. And I was like, I think my mouth was moving because I was reading out loud or something. And she turned around to me and said, I hope that you have a really amazing day. And I was like, oh, I hope you do too. She said it so intensely that I almost thought she was being sarcastic. And I was like, is she trying to put a hex on me. I'm not sure. So then we get up to one-on-one at the 11th floor and I'm sitting running lines with one of my partners from my class. And I see this lady in the middle of the room, the waiting room. And so me and him are running lines. And then she turns around to me and goes, oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I just was like, Max, Max, listen, this lady's freaking me out. Like I met her in the elevator. I don't know what's going on. Like she just kind of is being strange. And I told him, I was like, this is weird. And he kind of, I think didn't like really believe me, like whatever you're exaggerating. And then she comes over as she's leaving and was like, you know, yeah, I don't usually like talk to people in the elevators, but I really meant what I said. Yeah. Like I'm trying to come out my shell and I hope your day is amazing. And she walked away. And I said in my overly polite voice when I'm scared, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, You too. You too. (laughs) So that's that's my um, anecdote for today. That's my life anecdote for today. Moving on to the next story. Uh, This is one that comes from YouTube. So let's get right into it. So this is a story about a YouTube family called the Prince Family. For those of you who aren't into the same kind of things 
that I am. I was going to say niche, but it's not that niche, you guys. It's really not. There's a whole world on the internet. And I'm not talking about the dark web. I'm just talking about places where you watch people do mundane things. Not order synthetic marijuana, which I've heard you should really stay away from. In any case, this story is about the Prince family. So YouTube families, there's a bunch of them. I believe I talked about one other on the podcast who, ooh, I blocked their name out because they started to get on my nerves. They had the cute little girls. The twins were cute, but now they are like seven and still talk the same way they did when they were two. So then it's like, oh, uh, what's going on here? And also there was the, that was the dad who was married to the black mom. But all these racist tweets came up. What is his name? I don't know. They, they're franchised by the Discovery Channel. The point is, there are families on YouTube where people amass millions and millions of followers. I actually once watched this woman. She had a video that was like, how I take care of my baby in a day. And it was literally just like, now I feed her her mushy peas. Now I comb her hair, and there's a lot of baby hair combing going on. Guys, stop styling your baby's hair when they have, like, one strand. I just think it's too much. I think that's a lot of tension to be putting on one strand of hair, and you should probably just not weigh the one single strand with a barrette. Like, I don't, I don't, that can't be healthy. Anyway, these people are called the Prince family. They have 3.6 million subscribers. I really, really tried to find out why and who they are. I could not. And it actually makes me feel like when I only find out about people like this from a scandal, then it makes me feel like, well, what have I been doing? I feel like I've missed out. 3.6 million people are fans of these people. And I didn't even know that until a few days ago. There's just so much. There's just so many things and so many different ways to be relevant and irrelevant at the same time. It's kind of mind-blowing. Anyway, as many of these YouTube families do, they were pregnant. This couple was pregnant with a new baby. They had two sons already and monetized it. There was another family. This Oh, there is a whole like genre of Christian YouTube channels that I knew about, Christian families. And one of them came under fire for like faking a pregnancy scare uh, like they just, I mean, they, they've become the showrunners of their own TV show at that point. Like they were like, we need an episode about a pregnancy scare. Let's fake pee on a stick and all that. So, but you know, then it's like, what entitlement do people have to your real lives? Like, what is the actual agreement you've entered into? If you want to be entertained, I would say that it's a, I don't know. It's obviously you're not being honest, but there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had about the honesty that's actually owed in these situations. But anyway, this woman who is biracial was pregnant. She gave birth to her baby in the hospital. Like after the baby is cleaned off and handed to her, the baby has just been born, you guys. This is the conversation that's happening. Uh, when do they get their eye color? Like six to 12 months? She says to the nurse, and the nurse is like, yeah, and, and those with dark eyes, usually their eyes stay dark. This mother, Bianca, says, and it's Bianca with two N's, just to give you an idea of the kind of classy person she is. She says, she's going to have brown eyes for sure. 
I thought you were going to have pretty eyes. And then the father, Damien, responds, she does have pretty eyes. And then the mom's like, well, when I was born, my eyes were blue and now they're green. And the dad's like, sorry. So he's a, he's a little defensive. But, I mean, this is still who you married, so how defensive can you be? Then they both start analyzing her skin color and comparing it to uh, the darker sun's. Now, first of all, when I saw this video, which became viral and went all around the internet, I, they were just focused on the mom holding the baby and the man was off camera. I knew with every fiber of my being that he was going to be a very dark-skinned man because for some reason, it's always the problematic white and mixed women who marry really dark men and then start complaining about their babies having black features. This has happened to me in my face before. I knew a white Latina who um, got pregnant by a really, really dark black man, and he was West Indian. And then she told me that she hoped her baby's hair was like curly, but like cute curls, not like not like really tight curls like my curls. Like not like your curls, Kalechi. I mean, this is said to my face. So this is life. Like this is real life. So I, I'm familiar with this. I, 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 it's, it's the people that fetishize black dick the most that just, I, I guess, I don't, I don't get it. To me, like, if you really want your baby to have blue eyes, you should marry a white person. Like, honestly, there's, there's a solution for that. I mean, it's not a guarantee, but it's probably a higher probability. But anyway, I just thought it was funny because I watched the guy get defensive. He was like, her eyes are pretty. And it's like, also, that's your baby. So, yeah, like way the first thing you say about your baby is like how you're disappointed by how her eyes look okay so then they start analyzing her complexion do you she's the mom says do you think she'll be dj's color or a little bit darker the dad says no she's going to be darker the nurse the white nurse is literally like but she's beautiful the nurse is like, I'll take her. Like, it's so awkward that this white nurse needs to tone police, you crazy bitches, go coming after your baby. They analyze her. They start looking. But look behind her ear. Look behind. And the dad goes, look at her nipples. Her nipples are dark. She's going to be dark. I mean, what? I, first of all, my heart was broken that... Colorism aside, like we'll put colorism aside for a moment and racism aside. If you were gonna, if you were gonna put any other, if you're gonna put those aside and just, just to think that a baby girl, two minutes into the world, and your appearance is already being scrutinized, like that's what you have to offer the world. That's your worth. It's your appearance. It's not that you're here. It's not the oxytocin. Is that is it? Is oxytocin? It's not oxycontin. Whatever the hormones the mom emits that cause bonding when you have to do the chest to chest, um, skin to skin contact. None of these euphoric feelings are strong enough in this moment to override the impending doom that all women face to be little cute reflections of our mothers, society, 
whatever trends are going at the moment. Like I, my heart was broken for this baby. I was just like, call CPS right now or I'll take her or something. Like this is a mess. The nurse was ready to take her. The nurse was just like, this is some bullshit. It's really funny. She's just like walking around cleaning, answering these fucking weird eugenicist questions and like being like very alarmed. So that happened. And then of course, you know, there was an apology video after these people were dragged out through the internet and the apology video was crazy. Everyone is learning the art of the art of the deal. I'm just calling it the art of the deal. The art of not apologizing and not making any sense. Everyone's learning it now. This is this is what our, our president's this is our president's legacy. These people got on YouTube and said, We want to apologize to you guys. Cause we heard that we were colorist. People were saying that we were colorist. First of all, don't judge like a book by its cover. And secondly, we don't we you don't deserve to be seeing like things said like that that we're colorist. So we want to apologize that that's even coming out here. So it's kind of like the you're racist for bringing up racism. They're they're like we're sorry the word is being used and that's in the atmosphere. I said, "Bitch, what? What are you actually saying?" So then she went on to double down on everything she said and it's that beautiful thing where you you're so out of your depth because you don't know why what you said was offensive, apparently. So she said, the mom says, I just said I wanted to have, I wasn't saying that brown eyes weren't pretty. I was just hoping that Nova would have green eyes because my whole life, everyone always complimented me on how pretty my eyes are. And Damien to her husband, you have brown eyes. No one's ever compliments you on brown eyes, right? No one ever compliments brown eyes. So... She like admits that she buys into a, a societal preference for lighter eye color, and that's why she wanted her daughter to have pretty eyes. But she didn't like really. She didn't really walk back that she thought it was prettier. And then everything else, they just kind of denied it, and they just didn't engage with what the word colorist means. They just clearly acted out in every instance that they were colorist and. And then that was it. Oh, I should mention that she's also encouraged by her commenters who say things like, I wonder what the baby's going to. She said, you guys always ask, what's the baby going to look like? What's her eye color going to look like? What's this going to look like? Okay. I'm going to do this PSA. And I know it doesn't apply to anyone who would ever listen to this podcast. But we as a people have to stop acting like we're breeding French bulldogs with the like color and hair texture and eye color thing. It's so sad. Like, when are we going to let this go as a people? When? I know that it's a legacy of white supremacy that has created this. And I know, but I just feel like we are in a day and age where we have the tools to analyze what we're thinking and like make these connections. And at some point it really is going to become lazy to just accept all the bullshit that you you know, was passed on to you without questioning it. We have to stop, you know, there's, there's all these baby Instagram, uh, profiles with, you know, and they take pictures of babies and they've been known to change their eyes to blue to make their skin lighter. There's all this hashtag mix this, mix that there. Here's the thing. Mixed people are not more attractive than anyone else. Some mixed people are beautiful. Some mixed people are not. That is the same thing for every other part of the population. And as long as we put them on a pedestal, we are kind of saying that to be black, just black is not good enough, which happens to me all the time. People ask me what I am 
and I say that I'm, I'm like, cause they, and they, they're asking like where I'm from, what my name means, where my name comes from. And I say I'm half Nigerian. And what's the other half African-American visibly disappointed. People are visibly disappointed to find out I'm black on both sides. Like they really wanted me to say Swedish or something. Nova Scotian. Locks. I'm half locks. That they don't, they just, it's really, really disturbing. And so I'm like a, <laughs> a an artist that I, um, a, a fantastic visual artist that I'm Facebook friends with, who is biracial herself, posted, I don't know who needs to hear this, but having light skin and long hair does not, or being being light skinned with light colored eyes does not automate at, automatically make you attractive. Have a nice day, uglies. <laughs> and I mean, it's un it's uncharitable because now people are dragging this girl Bianca, the the mother of this family, and her sister, saying they look like what did someone say? A strong potato, Mr. Potato Head, and something else. But it's not that. Okay, it's mean to make fun of people's appearance, but sometimes it's an act of protest, I'm going to say. Like, the idea that these people are the epitome of beauty needs to be pushed back upon. And these sisters even have some video where they, like, film their husband and their boyfriend watching videos of women and like saying whether they think they're pretty or not. And they're like, they were shocked that their men, their black men thought black men, women were attractive. They were like, Oh my gosh. Like I didn't think so-and-so liked black girls. So this is what we're up against. It's pretty toxic. And I'm just, from what I've seen so far, it's just so alarming that these people have this many YouTube followers to begin with because they make music and ooh, the auto tune was not it. But anyway, this is who's currently being dragged across the internet this week. And I guess that takes some of the YouTube attention off of the makeup industry, which was in shambles two weeks ago. Elizabeth Warren. Trying so hard not to turn this podcast into the Elizabeth Warren show, but she was on The Breakfast Club this week. And I did hear some people say that, you know, we need to stop, people like her need to stop legitimizing Charlemagne the God. And I, I mean, I think it would be nice. I do think it would be nice if his platform was taken away. He's a doofus. He's just done so many things that are veered from like possible sexual assault to just being an asshole to women to just. The list goes on and on. So I do understand the sentiment that he should be canceled, but I don't think Elizabeth Warren is the one to do it. And I don't think that white politicians are the ones who are validating him. He has a platform because people still listen to him. I mean, I don't even know like where the revenue comes from. Cause I don't, I don't even, I can't remember the last time I turned on a radio. Like I don't drive. I, listen to podcasts and mp3s and spotify but i do when something goes viral i will go on youtube and watch clips of the breakfast club so anyway elizabeth warren visited the breakfast club i have to say that this is if this is a way to reach a lot of young black voters then i'm not i'm not upset that she did it because it's something that needed 
she needs to access. She needs to get her messaging out there. And this is the time of year right before our first Democratic um, debate, which will be, I believe, June 26th. This is the time of, that they all try to curry favor with the black vote. So, you know, you got to jump on a get left behind. So anyway, Charlemagne the God proceeded to just act a buffoon. And like, if I could know whether some of this was staged, like he's sort of the, the straight man or the foil for his castmates to ask intelligent questions, then I would feel better. But man, oh man, I mean, Elizabeth Warren laid out her policies really carefully and it was just amazing to listen to because she is the consummate school teacher. Like she talked really slowly, like Charlemagne was like a couple grades behind everybody else. And then when other people got stuff right, she was like, exactly, that's exactly it. And I was just like, ah, I love you. And I miss middle school. It was a good, it was good times. So for example, she has a policy in part of how she would, the wealth tax and part of how she would pay for universal health care, school for everybody, things like that. Um, part of her wealth tax would be that when Giant companies like Amazon, instead of paying zero taxes at the end of the year or in April, whatever they declare their earnings are to their investors, that's the number that will be taken to then uh, be taxed by 7%. So it'll be a 7% flat rate tax for all those major corporations for what they say their earnings are to their investors. And then um, Charlemagne was like, well, why could they just lie? And who, I don't know what Elizabeth Warren said. She was just like, she basically said like, no, that was another comment he made where she clowned him. Cause he's like, you know, I'm annoyed by taxes. And she basically was like, do you have like, do you make like a hundred billion dollars every year? Like, I don't think this is the same kind of scope we're talking about. Think bigger. But yeah, when he was like, well, why wouldn't they just lie about their earnings? Angela, he was like, it's not in their best interest to lie to their investors because then who would want to invest in them? Boom. Like everyone around him kept coming up with intelligent things to say and really following along. And his part was just to be like, so why'd you say you were Native American? Why'd you say you were Native American? And I commend her the way she handled it. She was like, it's something my family told me. It's something I was told. I shouldn't have said it. There's tribal, you know, I, I wasn't a member of a tribe. That's a separate thing. I didn't have a tribal registration. Forgive me if I'm not using the right term, registration. So I shouldn't have said it. But it was something that I was told. I know I'm not a woman of color. I know I'm not a person of color. And I didn't have a registration. So that was her, you know, that was her. I mean, as she apologized candidly, it was a lesson on how to actually apologize and take something back. She was like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But, I mean, Charlemagne was just trying to, it's never purely, well, purely, it's never actually educational. It's just always trying to incite some mess. So he kept asking her over and over again. And it's like, she's the type of person that owns her shit and has a, the same, you're going to get the same answer from her everywhere. And it's not like a deflective answer. It's just, she's telling the truth. Like a lot of times when you're telling the truth, sometimes the truth doesn't always sound exciting and the truth can kind of shut down some mess. So there's just not a lot to do with it. Like it's what my family told me. And then he was like, so you were kind of the original Rachel Dolezal, which fell flat because Elizabeth, 
Lizzie girl, she pretended she didn't know who Rachel Dolezal is. I'm sure she does. But she just didn't react to it. And then he had to explain it. And when you have to explain the punchline of your joke, that makes it less funny. And he was like, that's the woman that pretended to be black. And he has, and she was just like, well, I'm not a woman of color. I'm not. And I shouldn't have done that. Uh, but, you know, it's what my family is told. And she, it's she's from Oklahoma. And it's what many people's families are told. Interestingly... I remember when they, uh, when Henry Louis Gates was doing the Finding Your Roots show, he explained to a lot of uh, us, African-Americans, who so many of us are told, you know, you have Native American in your family, you have Native American in your family, and then when we take our DNA test now that that's a thing, people are finding out that it, they, they're, it's not showing up because a lot of the different combinations of different features that we have that we attributed to being Native American are just from, you know, mixing with Europeans, which is a more painful history of how that mixing happened. It's not as appealing. It's not as romantic of an idea. People kind of romanticize Native Americans and put them on this, you know, as this mythological royal regal people figure, which is sad just because it's allowed to happen because their numbers have been so depleted in this country and, and there's people that have never even met a Native American. So, the reason that they get that like mythological status is a very sad one, but um, yeah, that's what people do. So he actually, I remember him saying on that show that unless you were actually from Oklahoma and your family was here between this time and this time, like African slaves weren't even crossing over with Native Americans all like that because just the different times we were populating different territories and who was driven out, et cetera, et cetera. The time the slave trade was really picking up, like. It's just It just only happened in these very certain concentrated areas. So I'm sure a lot of people, and Oklahoma was one of those areas. I believe Don Cheadle did find out that he was like a significant part Cherokee when he did his roots or something like that. In any case, if you're from Oklahoma, that is part of a lot of people's lore there. And white people also liked to say in their families the same way black people do, that they're part Native American. Everybody has a reason to want to be... You either want to get a little flavor, you either want to dilute your flavor or something. I don't know. But so she she got through that. And what was the other flub that he was making fun of her for? Oh, just being Republican in the past, which she's fully addressed. She just said she wasn't politically active. And as soon as she knew what's what, she she got on the, the side of right. I mean, and what else can you do? And like, I think it's really powerful for someone to show any flexibility in their thinking. I'm interested in people that that are able to say, like, I don't believe that anymore. I was wrong. Like, that's interesting to me. But anyway, Charlemagne going to keep doing Charlemagne. It's a mess. Uh, I don't even think you need to go watch it, but let's just... I'm interested in what you think about, like, whether the kinds of appearances these people should make and whether it's pandering. I mean, is it the greens? Is it the soul food restaurants? Like, what is a step too far? What feels genuine? What is insulting? I think it's so crazy that she has all these policies that would help black people so much and the message is not even reaching us as the way it could like that's the part that's annoying that it's not enough I'm slapping my notebook that's in front of me it's not enough to have these policies it's you have to figure out it's the gimmick part it's the game part just be a gay boring mayor from Indiana who parts his hair very severely and then is it also me? Is it because I know a lot of gay people that Pete Buttigieg is not interesting to me because he's gay? Is that like a novel thing for 
some people in America, maybe that's it. Maybe they don't know any gay people. I know so many gay people I would make president before him. Like, I, I just could, I could throw a pebble and hit him. Like, ugh, don't get me started. It's Pride, the time of year where companies you've never even heard of roll out all their rainbow-covered products, raising questions like, who are you? Do you know any gay people? Do you even go here? Well, worry not. We know how much you love rainbows, but we also know that you might not want to spend a lot of extra money acquiring rainbow accessories to use once a year because most people don't like to go around dressed like a My Little Pony in their adult life. So we've come up with a solution, GARE. We are the first gay air company. Our compressed ampules of gay air can be delivered weekly, monthly, or daily to your house. It's your decision. GARE does not replace oxygen. It merely enhances it with a verve, a flare, a sparkle, a, a rainbow quality. You'll soon find that all those other gay flag accessories are just weighing you down. Take your air to the parade and just breathe in deeply and blow out that gear into the atmosphere. Let everybody know you're here. That's it, girl. You're fabulous. Work! Gear is made from actual rainbows that are captured from the sky and compressed to fit in small, attractive, really neat, chic packaging. Once you are breathing rainbows in their most pure, distilled form, you'll never want to go back to tie-dye t-shirts. All of the proceeds from Gear go to LGBTQIA organizations. We guarantee your money is not going towards anyone that only courts your dollar once a year. What else is there to say? Gare, the gay air company. Because you don't need rainbow shower curtains, but you do need to breathe. So why not breathe rainbows? Now, this is a racism encounter story with a happy ending and a twist. So the police were not called and no black people were arrested for no reason, which is a triumph and it's not a given. In this incident, Craig L. Brooks, hotel employee, encountered a guest who called him a fucking nigger on the phone when trying to make a reservation. Then she approached the front desk thinking for some reason she would not be recognized later when she arrived, encountered that same employee. She demands to be let into her room, and he just says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. You call me a fucking nigger on the phone, so, yeah, no. She immediately bursts into tears, because why not? Of course, she's the victim in the situation, and says, I'm sorry, listen, there were just people screaming and hollering. <laughs> so I guess those were the fucking niggers? Like, this is what we're doing now to excuse ourselves? So... He says, yes, okay, I, I can't do anything about it, it's above me now. So that's all he keeps repeating, it's above me now. Then the daughter comes to the front desk, apparently they've gathered for a funeral. Um, the daughter says, and the mom cries and says, he won't let me check in, he won't let me have a room. And the daughter says, sir, my grandma just died. And he says, he call, she called me a fucking nigger. I understand that, but my grandma just died. Can we just pause for like the non sequitur of the century? What does one have to do? 
who you don't get a free pass to call me a nigger because you're sad or upset. Those are like usually the reasons in which someone says something that's negative, except when it's a racial slur that lets me know you think I'm less than you and less than human. We have a problem. Like, I don't get it. What's going on? You don't just get to bring out these words when you're irritated. Is that or sad? Like, she's just crying. I need to check in here. Please, my daughter's here. There's a Best Western across the street. It's above me now. I need to check it. I understand that, but it's above me now. I've been having a terrible day. Well, I also had a terrible day when I heard you call me a nigger. It's above me now. So it's above me now became a meme because it's just like delightful, repetitive, vague, like not true, but just the kind of like polite speak that sounds like the way you would decline something. Like it's, it's out of my hand. I mean, it could be, it's out of my hands, but it's above me now. Just for some reason is just, so that became a meme. But sir, it's above me now. Oh, sir, it's above me now. Like, of course, people put it to music as they do with the viral vids. So this was hilarious, um, a hilarious reason to deny someone service. He got on Twitter and then confirmed that he spoke to his manager and all is good. He still has his job. I think that's great. People, you know, her voice sounded warbly. She sounded, everyone sounded a little gruff on the other end. They weren't in the video, by the way. So I feel like they were probably all old and whoever died is just the person that taught them to call people fucking niggers and just generations of racists convening in one place, learning that their consequences, uh, learning that there are consequences to their actions. So I don't have a problem with the way any of this went down. In an interesting twist, the man who was at the desk is transphobic, highly, proving that everyone can discriminate against someone else and that being discriminated against for some reason doesn't always make you more empathetic towards other people the way we would think. So yeah, this dude, he, um, he really had like two years ago tweets that were pretty, they were bad. They weren't just like, okay, I will say this and with broad strokes, broad strokes, like people think just because the acronym is LGBTQIA that, um, the trans and the gay communities are like if they're if you're not in it or adjacent or whatever you would people think they're just like everyone is kumbaya but that's not the case i find that many gay people especially men <clears throat> and women um people are very entrenched in gender from all sides it is very the idea of gender not being fixed or being fluid um just the idea that it's not something that we can reach out and I grab your, grab you by the pussy and then I know you're a woman. Like, that freaks people out. That is a something, I'm not quite sure because I have this theory. Oh, I read a name for the theory. It's called the terror theory, I believe. Like, I feel like everything connects to death and our fear of death and our avoidance of acknowledging certain things. So I often find that when there's something that's extremely, extremely bothersome to some people that they're avoidant of, like, that's a connection. But this one, that factors into a lot of, like, the religious stuff that I've discussed on the show. This one, and I'm I'm sorry for all the snorting, you guys. I am seeing an allergist in the morning. I cannot wait. I've never been so excited about a doctor's appointment in my entire life. Anyway, 
but this one I can't really I can't wrap my head around quite exactly. I'm not sure. I know gender people it's really entwined in people's identity. I just don't know why people are so threatened that other people don't have the same experience of gender that they do. I mean, I guess cuz they are they do say like, well, it doesn't exist, it's not real. But even so, just have some strength of character, damn it. If you want to say I go by she sure shim then be, do that. If you want to, like, just be who you want to be. Put on what you want to put on. Decide what your genitals mean. I don't get why you're so mad on either side, what other people are doing, but that's me. Anyway, his tweets legit said things like, trans people are confused. Like, how can you not, you know, you either need to be a man or a woman. Like, get your life together. He said he doesn't support Donald Trump, but he believed in the trans ban, which I find to be, that to me was extra hateful. Like, you don't believe in someone probably because they're hateful and do other hateful stuff, but then you just want to co-sign the one targeted hateful thing someone does to take away someone's civil rights. I thought that was really a trash, a peak trash tweet. So BuzzFeed confronted him about his tweets and in true Kevin Hart, everyone who has trouble apologizing fashion, he was like, I said what I said. I don't care. I'm gay. So some people don't like me and I don't like that. Like basically he said, People could say they don't agree with my lifestyle, and I could say I don't agree with their lifestyle or something like that. Then, of course, he continued to get dragged. Like, black Twitter, like, ran over him with, like, a cartoon truck. Like, like when you you get all flattened out and you see the, the road marks on you. So that's what happened to him. And then within, like, five minutes of the second dragging, he released a completely contradictory apology that looked like, I will say... He got hold of a better publicist than many of y'all have because he it was it was quite sincere, but it was just too little too late. And someone underneath said, wow, you gave a white YouTube makeup artist apology. I died. I actually the podcast I hadn't started this podcast when some of the other makeup scandals came. And there's so often it's either it's usually racism, honestly. I don't know why. It's just people just love making fun of black people. It's just like a national pastime. Like, but yeah, there was this one girl who I was surprised to find out wasn't part black. Like she's, I, I didn't even know she was all white, but that's what bronzer will do for you. I was confused all this time, but she had said a lot of jokes about ghetto black people and hood this hood that. And just, I'm so glad I'm not black, like weird stuff that nobody asked for. And then she had a, she had a really famous apology where she cried profusely but no tears came out and she just wiped her dry face over and over again it was delicious I mean if you want to see bad acting in fact I'm going to show that to my I'm going to take that into my acting teacher tomorrow because we often watch videos of things that are like you know small claims court or YouTube just human behavior and analyze what makes it interesting to watch it's such a like awesome approach to on camera work that I've really been loving. And I think watching this girl wipe dry tears would be like a really fun way to be like, okay, what was effective? What was it? Now, when did this become too much? Like, but yeah, there's just some iconic YouTube apologies. So if you ever are bored, look them up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's so annoying. Cause like you want to celebrate this guy and help him go viral, have all the memes for the trouble of his, his night of, you know, being berated. 
And then you find out something like this. Nobody's perfect, and lots of people suck. That's the answer. Ubercopter is coming to New York, y'all. That's right. You heard me. Ubercopter. There's going to be a helicopter service now that's through Uber. It's only available to Platinum and Diamond members. $200 to $225 PP. That means per person. And it's going to fly people from like downtown area, Wall Street, to JFK. Is it JFK or LaGuardia? To one of the airports. To which I say, huh? This trip is eight minutes long, so it's eight minutes long, and it must be booked five days in advance. So the thing is, I don't know. First, I was like, what type of people are like, I can't take this hour to go to the airport. I need every hour in my, like, what are you doing in person that you just have to do that you can't shorten that you need to take, you need a helicopter to get to the airport in? Like, is it fitting one more meeting in? Could you absolutely not take that meeting on the phone? Like, I just want to know, because first I was like, oh, shoot, like, honestly, like, I know some people that would use that, some executives who would use it, et cetera, et cetera. But then I was like, no, because the type of people whose schedules are packed that tightly don't even schedule their flights five days in advance. Five days in advance is like really far in advance, (laughs) like for the places that I've worked to schedule a flight. So I don't know. The utility of this, we'll have to see. There's already people lobbying against it because of the noise um, levels, the noise it's going to bring. I have never even considered what it would be like, yeah, to have a lot of helicopters flying above. They are loud. There was like a helicopter chase that was scary when I was I was subletting in Central Harlem a couple of years ago and like seeing the strobe lights. Are they strobe lights or is that a disco? Whatever lights coming out of the helicopter and hearing the noise is quite dramatic, quite dramatic. I mean, but could you imagine like <laughs> if it turns into like a share, your helicopter is like an Uber copter pool and it just touches down to meet people. Or like if it's like Uber, you're like, where's my helicopter? I told him to meet me at the corner of 23rd and Park and he's just down the street in front of, in front of just salad. Like, ah. I'm going to wait till my helicopter moves over here. Like, I'm not walking in these heels. Like, what kind of helicopter stories are there going to be from shared helicopters? I don't know. Only the Diamond and Platinum members can find out. I guess those are the people that know how to behave in cars the best. Like, I don't, I don't get that part because it seems like I could see you deciding you want to spend $220 on a helicopter because it's a helicopter, but not deciding you want to take a $50 ride where the ride could be $10, you know, because it's just a car. But what do I know? They have their reasons. I guess probably just make it exclusive so the rest of us are just more, like, thirsty about it. I've never been in a helicopter. It's not even on my bucket list. All right, good night. This is an intersection of stuff that I do know about, acting stuff, and viral internet stuff, stuff that I like. So there is an actress, Raquel Bailey. 
she made a billboard. She she bought a billboard, and it says it has her headshot on it, and it says, "Attention, Mr. Perry, Raquel Bailey is your next leading lady." And then it has RaquelBailey.com. It has her Instagram. It has her Twitter on there. So it went viral, and people had a lot of different things to say about it. A lot of people said it was trashy and déclassé. People said it was thirsty. I mean, to that I say, yeah. Yeah, we are thirsty for fucking jobs. We're thirsty. Like, I don't... I'm annoyed that you have to pretend you're not thirsty. It's, it was a ballsy move. I remember her name now. In fact, let me look up her Instagram and see how many followers she has and if the number jumped because of this billboard. But, like, she made herself a sensation now. So, apparently, she paid $2,000 for this billboard. Um, And I don't think that's, like, a terrible price. I mean, people literally invest that much in classes with people who don't even have that many credits to tell them about, like, what they need to do. I mean, there's a class. If Welcome to my industry. There's a class to tell you, like, what direction to cross your legs when you sit on a couch. There's a class to tell you how many steps you should put in front of the other before you wait. I mean, there's there's just people have – we are, like, the poorest people around, like, the poorest union around, the union with the least number of employed people at any given time, both of our unions, SAG and AFTRA – I mean, SAG and AEA, which is equity. But yet and still, like, there's just so much to pay for, like, so many different training things to pay for. So – um, anyway, she made this, she made this billboard and he wrote her a message that I did not think, well, I'll read it to you. He said, uh, so here's the deal. This is not the way to get my attention. If you're looking for a role in one of my shows, please don't do this. Save your money. This is the third time someone has done this. Please stop to audition is free. I'm sure you can use that money for a better purpose. I love that you want to work with me and I love that you invest in yourself. But when you do things like this, it puts my team on high alert and makes me look at you sideways. I know the message that you want to send is a positive one, but this comes across as the opposite. Again, the best way to work for me is to audition and it's free. We post breakdowns all the time for actors. Just come and audition. And by the way, you were great in the night of. It was my favorite show a couple years ago. I already saw you. So just audition and keep your money. Again, I appreciate your effort, but that's not the way to work for me. God bless you, Dreamer. I have no doubt you will make it one day. I am. This whole message is trash. Like, okay, I have a really strong thing about getting advice only from the people who it's relevant for and not making it sound universal. So in, in the sense that he doesn't like this kind of thing. It's not trash. However, for her, I mean, she didn't know he didn't like it until she did it, right? So what was she going to do? There's so many things I don't like about this message. I don't like that he says auditioning is free as if auditions are easy to get. They're not easy to get. For people who are not in the industry who are listening, just a quick breakdown on how that goes. Um, okay, so theater is a place uh, if if a if a production is in the theater union, they have they have required auditions. Sometimes an intern goes to sit at these auditions, and the the show could have already been cast. The show a lot of shows don't even get to the point of having a production until their stars' names attached to it already. Things have been workshopped and workshopped and workshopped by the time that first commercial production is going to happen. So you're coming in at the end of it. 
There's all this stuff going on already, but because the union is fighting for us to have more opportunities, that's what they do, it is required for theaters to have these auditions, um, productions, I should say, not just like theaters. So with theater, you, when you're starting out, you can wait and wait and wait and get into an open call. I mean, not, it's not really open, but everyone who's non-union will be seen last, time permitting. That's a big asterisk, time permitting. If you have some points towards your union card, you can go before them, and then the people that go first and can like sign up for an appointment, come at a certain time, are people in the union. Now, where the real fun happens is agent appointments. Most things are cast from agent appointments. Most things that are not like a Broadway, like tapping chorus and stuff like that. Any lead roles, speaking roles, things like that, cast from agent appointments most of the time. And an agent, I mean, a casting agent can send something out. It could get 2,000 responses and they have booked one or two days with like 20 minute slats for people. So you do the math. It's not 2,000. That's a, that's a quick hint. So auditions are highly, highly, highly coveted. And for a lot of TV, well, especially in New York, I'll say, very, very coveted. I've heard that in L.A., it's like land of milk and honey. There's more, way more TV and film. But for high-paying, successful shows, people are reaching out to agents directly. I know people that are have shot Tyler Perry episodes. I know people that have gone on tape for them. They all got their stuff through agent auditions. So for him to just say auditions are free, it's like, yeah, they're free. They don't just fall into your lap. That's a reason that you actors are always griping. Like you rarely meet an actor that's like, I love my representation is because of the representation is like having a hard time getting them auditions usually. Boom. So there's that. And so then he says, you're already great in the night of, so then cast her. Like, she's been in a TV show you saw, and it still wasn't enough. She hasn't worked with you yet. So then she still wants to work with you, so she did this. I mean, she really, really, she was in an HBO, like, premium cable show. And she's re, she made a billboard for um, Tyler Perry. So I'm going to say that that is her, that's, that's her dream. That is a, that's a dream that she has. That is a dream. And I just kind of feel like he peed on it. He peed on her dream. Just audition and keep her money. Well, I hope you emailed her something. I hope you emailed her an appointment. I hope something happened from that. And so she said that, um, what did she say? She said, thank you, Mr. Perry, for taking the time to post about my billboard and give me some wisdom. Um, she said, this was my leap of faith and you will never know where it will land you or if it will even work. Sometimes we have to step out of the norm and do something unconventional. Not everyone is going to agree or think it's a great idea. This is a chance I took. God bless. Look, God bless her. How many fucking people can say I gave it my all? I did everything. Who can tell their parole officer? I've tried so hard to get a job. I, I put my face on a billboard. Until you put your face on a billboard, have you really tried? Have you really tried at all? That's the question I have. So this brought all the internet clowns to be like, she should have done it. She shouldn't have. She could just do this. I was just like, you guys. It's so annoying that we have to be complicit in pretending that this, is, this life is like glamorous or fun or easy. 
She's hungry for this thing. And she told someone she was. That's all that happened. I didn't like when he said, um, it makes my, it puts my team on high alert and makes me look at you sideways. I don't really know what that means. What does that really mean? You know, like we throw around phrases sometimes. It's kind of vague. It puts your team on high alert of what? Does, is that like, are you saying she's a security threat? She's going to bust into the studio dressed as Medea's little sister? Like what are, what's, it makes me look at you sideways. Okay. I mean, we don't know why, but we just know that you don't like it. So you're looking at her sideways. Like we know you don't like it. But in terms of like looking at you sideways, the only way to look at her is like she's someone who really, 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 really admires you. Like be flattered. I just, I don't, and it's like the save your money is condescending. Like there's a lot of things we spend our money on, all kinds of grooming, all kinds of stuff. She basically made a huge advertisement for herself. And let's see. Yeah, she has like 8,000 followers now. Um, she's, I don't know. I think it probably, let's see what else has happened to her. She she was on Access Hollywood for her billboard. She, okay. What's next? Next, I'm making a billboard. So, Look out for my billboard soon. That's, that's, that's the conclusion of the story. All right, that's it for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Thank you so much for joining in with my sniffles. I look forward to connecting with you guys offline. Well, not really offline, online, but like in other mediums, Instagram, Twitter, or email cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. You can find me at Kelezie, K-E-L-E-Z-I-E, or if you put in cake and kombucha on Twitter or Instagram. And that's it. I'll see you next week. And by see, I mean Nazi. Cake and Kombucha is produced, written, and hosted by Kelechi Azie. It is recorded in her New York studio apartment. Cake and Kombucha features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check her out on MelanieJBCharles.com or on Spotify. And you can also find her upcoming performance at the Toronto Jazz Festival. <laughs>